But I think you guys can still, I think you guys can still compete, okay? This side, elevate. Elevate. All right, this side, what's up? Elevate. Sorry, you guys are outnumbered, but you still did good, like some 300 Spartans or something, you know, against the Persians. So if you've never seen that movie, don't watch it. It's not good for you. You don't want to know. So what's up, guys? It was a good time of worship, right? How many guys felt the presence of God? Woo! Yeah, that's right. So today, I'm going to be sharing about Paul. Anybody ever heard about Paul from the Bible? Yeah, right? So the previous weeks, we learned about, first of all, who, who was the first guy we learned about? Who did, uh, who did Lawrence preach about? Moses, right? He was chosen to be a vessel of deliverance to Israel. Then the second person, who was the second person? Jonah, 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 right? He was chosen to preach to Nineveh, but what? He tried to run away from his calling. He tried to run away from God choosing him. Today, we're going to learn about Paul. And what was Paul chosen to do? Can anyone guess? What was Paul chosen to do? What happened? Preach? All right, preach. But this is going to be a crazy, huh? Plant churches, okay. Yeah, you guys are all right. But this is going to be something that kind of changes your idea of Christianity and what it really is. Paul was chosen to suffer. Paul was chosen to suffer. And with that, we will pray, okay? So everyone bow your heads. That means uh, my lovely dudes over there, awesome James Herion. I want you guys to seek the Lord in this time too. And everyone in the back here, Victor, everybody pray. Bow your heads, all right? You three girls right there whispering. Guys, bow your heads. We're going to pray, all right? Just respect the Lord now, okay? Lord, I thank you for uh, this time of Elevate. I thank you for gathering all these uh, beautiful people, Lord, that you have created in your image, God. People that, Lord, need you, Jesus, like myself, God, that needs you every day, daily. I pray that your spirit move, that we would understand your calling for all of us, Lord, and why you have chosen us, God. Why you've chosen us from birth and separated us from the world, God. I pray, Lord, that we would live for you and that we would have the spirit and the boldness to do so, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So everybody, if I can get my lovely assistant in the sound booth to go to Acts. His name is Oscar, by the way. He's an awesome guy. If you see him, tell him he's awesome. He deserves it. Okay. So this is Acts 9, all right? Everybody, Acts 9. So if you're following in the Bible, it's Acts 9. Everybody uh, in their Bi everybody got a Bible there? All right, well, I'm continuing with or without you, so we going. So Acts 9, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to, to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any, uh, any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So right now you see Saul, right? Quick fact for you guys. Saul is Paul. Just like in Mexico, I would be called Jose. And in, Greek, in Greece, right, or in the Latin times or in Rome, right, Saul would be called Paul. So it's just, a, just basically a translation, right? So he's breathing out murderous threats against Christians. 
He's going to Damascus. Damascus is almost like New York City in that area, man. There's people of all nations, all types of colors, bro, all types of food. You got elote. You got, man, pastelillos. You got that soul food. You got Popeyes probably. Nah, I'm joking. You don't got Popeyes. If they did, man, I'm pretty sure that it'd be popping. It'd still be around today. But as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Then Saul, right, he, he asked, who are you, Lord? The voice, right, voice that, that knocked him off his, his horse says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. That's pretty cool, though, real quick. He said, why are you persecuting me? Now, Jesus has already been buried, been resurrected. You know, he's ascended into heaven. But this is how close Jesus loves the church. That when you hurt the church, it's as if you're hurting him. That's how much he loves the church. That's how close he is in relationship to the church. How many of y'all got a friend where you feel their pain? When, they, when they're in a bad mood, you're like, dang, you're in a bad mood. I can feel it from here, right? You got some friendships like that, right? So, man, Jesus is that close of a friend to us, the church. So Jesus replies, right, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Continue. All right. They heard the sound but did not see anybody, okay? So they're like, oh, snap, dude. What's going on here, dude? Paul just fell off his horse. There's a blinding light. We hear a voice. We can't really understand what it's saying. Then the voice goes away. The light goes away. People are tweaking. They're probably thinking they hallucinated on some, some weed or something. Or I don't even know, bro. Like something's going on, right? But that's not the truth. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. Paul had gone blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And ask for a man named Tarsus, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. Right here, you see the reputation that Paul got. He, a lot of people here got reputations. We go to school. If I ask people in your school, what's your reputation? Some of you guys might not be proud to hear what the reputation is. Some of you might be like, yeah, ask who I am. Ask who I am. They'll tell you. So Saul had his own reputation. He said, I've heard many reports about this man and at, the, and at all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man, and this is where I, I really, this is where I get the, this, this whole message from, really. Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Everybody say chosen instrument. To proclaim what? My name to the Gentiles to their kings, to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer, you guys caught on, for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. 
He got up and was baptized. And after uh, taking some food, man had a slam real quick, man. You know, probably on the elote I was mentioning earlier. But now he probably needed some arroz. You know, I'm learning Spanish, so I'm practicing right now. He regained his strength. At once he began to teach in the synagogue, preach in the synagogues, that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised, who, uh, can't read right now, who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? So they knew, man, Paul, he had a reputation, like I said. They thought he was coming here to bring some havoc, man, to take people to prison, to lock people up. And, dude, they were wrong. Yes, Saul grew more... Uh, Yes, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. So Saul's already getting, man, he already, the same people he was with are now trying to kill him already. And this is only like the, the second week of his salvation. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch in the, of the, on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by the night and lured him in a basket through, an opening, through the opening in a wall. It's pretty desperate. You got to get out of there, man. He's about to get killed. He's desperate. He's trying to get out. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Even, his, even the disciples who Jesus called to be brothers and sisters with, they are scared of him. He is not welcomed anywhere at this point. Believing that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the, uh, to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul, Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Okay, so that's it. That's 29. I know that was a lot of reading. How many people enjoyed it though? How many people never knew that about Paul? This is a new thing. That's a good thing, man. The Word of God is awesome. Awesome narratives, awesome stories. You know, you're missing out, man, for real, if you're not reading the Bible. And the thing is, it's all true. That's the awesome part. So, could, uh, Oscar, could you just go back to uh, Acts 9, verse 15 real quick? I want to highlight this. This is going to be a thing I want to talk about right now. So, before, uh, until you get there, it says right here, right, like I said, but the Lord said to Ananias when Ananias was arguing with him, Go, this man is my what? Chosen what? Instrument. Instrument to what? So real quick, we find out that Paul is chosen to be an instrument. What, what does that mean? So we have, like, let's just figure out what do instruments do? When you, like, what do they play? Music, right? They play music. But let me ask you this. Can an instrument play itself? Does Lawrence just sit there and pretend to play the drums? Or he is, is he hitting that as hard as he can? Does Daryl just, you know, pretend he looks like Beethoven on the keys? Or is he actually moving the keys, playing a, so a song? The instrument does not play itself. There is someone playing the instrument. Another word used here is vessel. Anybody understand what vessel is? To, to put it in a, in a way we can understand, imagine, right, you have a vase. Now, this vase is supposed to have flowers in it. If you, if you, put, a, uh, if you put flowers in a vase, right, it's just going to die, right? It's just going to die. There's going to be no source of nutrients, right? So you put water in the vase, right? The vase is a vessel for the water to bring life to the flower. 
You guys get what I'm saying? So Paul is saying, I mean, God, Jesus is saying, Paul, you are my chosen instrument. And now here's the thing. Like I said, music, what does it do? It makes, I mean, uh, instruments, what does it do? It makes music. So Paul was chosen as an instrument, but he wasn't, he wasn't singing no XX attention. He wasn't making no, man, like, he wasn't making the music you listen you hear now, right? He wasn't like 21 Savage. He wasn't like, man, what's that dude with the pink hair? Not yet Lil Yachty. What's that dude? He got, he looked like a straight female. What's his name? Lil what? Lil Kemp? What, Lil Kemp? Lil Pump. What is this? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Gucci. Gucci, whatever, I don't even know how that goes anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so then he needs to start saying Jesus again or something. I don't even know, bro. I don't know. There's something wrong with that dude. But I pray for him. Hope he gets saved. But he wasn't singing that. He wasn't saying Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. This man was saying, repent, repent, repent. Jesus is the Messiah. You get what I'm saying? So we have, we have, to, we have to understand that Paul, right? Paul wasn't, when he, when he was chosen as an instrument, you don't see these drums slap Lawrence back, right? You don't see the drums all of a sudden start banging on Lawrence, right? Like, Lawrence, you're going to play music now. You're going to work for me, all right? You're going to start, these people need to start getting hyped to your sound. How about that? And then Lawrence is getting hit like, no, stop, man, please. No, that's not happening. That's not happening, right? Lawrence is in full control of what happens in the, to these drums. And this is the metaphor that God uses for Paul's calling. This is the metaphor. So I want to ask you guys, look at your lives real quick. Have you been an instrument for the Lord? Or are you just playing your song? Are you just basically doing what you want to do? Are you, who's in control of your life? And then my, my next point, okay, is when you give control to God, right? You have to be willing to do whatever. You know, the, the drum is not going to sound like a piano. The piano is not going to sound like a guitar. God has chosen you specifically to go somewhere and proclaim his name. As we see, he was, he was sent to proclaim my name, right? And the thing about Jesus' name is there's power in it. There's authority. You guys may think, man, dude, man, dude, this dude at school, bro, his name is Javante, his name's Carlos, man, whatever, dude. Like, he's so cool, man. Just saying his name is dope, right? Man, this guy's awesome. Or, man, some of you guys might think Donald Trump, bro. I'm just kidding. Some of you guys might go back to Barack Obama. Barack Obama, man. He was so awesome. He was so cool, dude. Like, he got things, whatever, he got things done or whatever. Or some of you guys are Donald Trump fans. He got things done. Forget the politics, but whatever. You guys get the point. You guys think these people have power and their name means something. But compared to Jesus' name, there is everyone falls short. The reason why he was told to proclaim Jesus' name, because his name is by is the only way you'll be saved. So this is this is the important thing. Some of you guys be saying the names Lord in vain so much, man, but you need to understand how powerful the name of the Lord is. It's much more than a cuss word. It's much more than just a, a catchy phrase. This name has more authority than any power on this earth that has ever lived or ever will live. And that is the name he was proclaiming. He didn't have no shame in it. So he didn't just preach to, 
I want, I, want, I want you guys to remember this, who he preached to. He preached to Gentiles, right? Gentiles are people that are not Jews. So if you're not a Jew, how many Jewish people we got in this place? Y'all are Gentiles, okay? You guys are not Jewish. It's okay. I'm not a Jew either, so it's okay, all right? If you are a Jew, feel welcome, okay? Then he went to preach to their kings, and he actually does this. He, pre- he preaches the, he doesn't just preach to poor people, he preaches to rich people. He preaches to people that you're like, oh, they don't need Jesus. They got, they got a Tesla. They don't need Jesus. They got a 4.0. They don't need Jesus. He's preaching to them too, and their parents. Then it's to the people of Israel, the Jews. That is who he's proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to. So, then Jesus, right, he says this thing about he must suffer. And before we get into that, I want to go to 2 Corinthians eleven twelve. We're going back to a lot of reading. You guys ready? Yeah, say hi, Captain. I can't believe you guys said that. Now I'm just like, you guys never say that. That's what's up. That's what's up. Okay. So, Paul, right, now he's Paul. Right? He's, he's preaching to the Gentiles, you know. He, he wants to preach to them so much, he's willing to change his name to, to assume, uh, like, you know, their identity. It's like if I went to Mexico, I wouldn't be like, they wouldn't be like, como te llamas? And I'd be like, yeah, my name's Joe B. I'd be like, I'd be like, what would I say? Me amo, me amo Jose. Bam, there you go. <laughs> Spanish teacher would be proud, right? So, he, she wouldn't? <laughs> Sorry. So, basically, right? Paul is speaking to the Corinth church. The context of this is this church is a Gentile church. The Gentile church is boasting in themselves and all the things they do. They're like, look at me. I got a 4.0, man. Look at me. I go to Elevate every Friday. Look at me. I'm so good. I'm even better than Paul, right? So Paul has to come in, and he has to, he has to show them, like, listen, you, have to, you can't boast in yourself. That's wrong. And that's not the point of this message, but it's a good thing to understand. Look, maybe you guys should read 2 Corinthians to find out more about it. But that's the context of this. So Paul's basically saying, okay, you guys have something to boast about. Let, let, me, let me show you I can boast too, right? So he, he tells them real quick, you know, about the people that's trying to tell them about, you know, uh, following this weird doctrine and, you know, boasting and stuff. Uh, he's saying, are they Hebrews? Yes, they are. But he's saying, so am I. Are they Israelites? Yes, they are. But he says, so am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? Abraham, we found out about Abraham a while ago. Father of faith, look him up in Genesis 12, I believe. So, so am I. Are they servants of Christ? And this man is like, this is, this is where it gets kind of weird with Paul because he's, he's boasting or whatever. And, and he's saying, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more of a servant of Christ. And this is where he begins to boast in his suffering for Jesus. He says, I have worked much harder been in prison more frequent, uh, frequently. He's been locked up. He's been flogged. That's like when they did to Jesus where they put a bunch of glass on a whip and they just basically hit him. And they did this more off. They did it more to him than anyone, right? So he's been, he's, been, he's been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times he received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That means they basically took sticks and they just hit them with it, hit them with it, like what they did to the slaves. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. He was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. This man barely got a house. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, the people that he is 
he is and it related to, he's been in danger from them, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. This dude is in danger, as you can see, in danger at sea, in danger from the false believers, people claiming to be Jesus. Let's not have any false believers in here, okay? I have labored and I have toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Everybody say that's deep. That's deep. That's a lot, bro. Like, bro, you need a psychiatrist. You need to get on Dr. Phil's show. You need to do something, man. There's something that needs to be done. Don't worry. I, I, I don't like Dr. Phil either. I, mean, I love him. Pray he gets saved. But, like, man, dude, this dude's been through so much, man. He should get his own, like, his own scene on, like, Oprah or something. Oprah should, like, interview him, you know? But, no, dude, this dude is just basically saying, I've been through a lot, man, and I can boast in this. You may boast in all the things you've done, right, and all the flashy stuff you have, and how awesome you are, and how many religious things you've done, but I've suffered for Jesus. Not only do I have faith, but I have the deeds and the, and the suffering to back up my faith. I've been through stuff, and I have not denied Jesus. And this is my question for you. What are you willing to suffer? Because some of you guys, if you can go back, 2 Corinthians, to the, to the beginning of it. Some of you guys, right? The minute, the minute you've been to prison for following Jesus, y'all would have been like, all right, I'm done. That was fun, but I ain't going to elevate no more, that's for sure. I'm going to start hooping some more. They ain't arrest me for hooping, that's for sure. The minute you guys would have to work for Jesus, maybe you would have been done. The minute it's like, dang, I actually got to live holy? I actually can't, so, I can't cuss no more? I actually maybe should stop listening to so much disgusting music. I actually should love someone. Nah, that's too much work, yo. It's all about grace. All about that grace. God loves me no matter what. That's, that's, that's like where we go to. It's like, man, I don't want to work. So we might have quit by then. <laughs> but Paul kept going. And as you saw what he went through, I want to ask you guys this because there's sometimes, right, where it's like, I know you guys are there. You guys claim to have faith. You come here every Friday. But then all of a sudden I stop seeing you for weeks, months, days. You know, I don't, well, I mean, I, of course I want to see you for days. I see you like once a week. Unless we all hang out, you know, that'd be cool. But, you know, it'll be going weeks and weeks and months and months. And then you come back and it's almost like you, didn't, you don't even know the gospel anymore. You're doing one-on-one. You're following Jesus. But yeah, as soon as it came to, man, I got to live holy. Man, I actually got to give up friends. I actually got to work. I got to do something. I got to work hard for Jesus. Like, what? This is, not, this is not something I like. I don't like doing this. The minute that happened, you're like, oh, that's too much. You became lazy. I don't want to work hard. I don't want to work for Jesus. Even though I get a free ride to elevate, that's just too much. I got to get up, stop playing video games. I got to sit in a van ride with Joe B for an hour. I got to wait for my ride. Like, what? that's just too much. The minute you guys lose a friend, oh, man, do my friends aren't talking to me as much. 
that's just too much, dude. I'm, I'm starting to lose friends. I'm starting to look lame before people. I mean, we haven't even got to prison. We haven't even got to the point where you have no food. We haven't even got to the point where you're naked. We haven't even got to the point where you got no sleep. We haven't even got to the point where you've been whipped, where you've been beaten, where you've been said, hey, listen, deny Jesus or I'm cutting your head off. Because that's, that's what happens in other countries. Teenagers in other countries... If they believe in Jesus, that's the stuff they face. That's the persecution they face. But here in America, we got it so easy. You know? Your friend's like, man, dude, cussing up a storm, you know it's wrong. You're like, oh, I kind of want to tell them about Jesus, but they might call me a Larry. They might call me a Lane. They might say, get your whip, cuss me out, you know? They might do all that. I don't even want to go through that. Oh, God's calling me to, to talk to people I don't know? Nah, that's just too much, God. Matter of fact, man, this conviction is too much. I'm just going to completely deny you forever. You know, that's like literally what we go through. Like, we put Jesus in our pocket. We're like, man, God, I, I only use you when I got problems. Well, listen, man, you would need him a lot if you were this guy. This guy had a lot of problems. But it wasn't, and this is, this is what I want you guys to keep in mind. You're probably thinking, well, that's him. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't chosen to suffer. I wasn't chosen to go through prison. I wasn't chosen to lose friends. I would, Jesus chose me to be the, 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 the richest Christian ever, to be the most popular Christian ever, to have as many friends as I can, to do what I want, to, to, to do my own will. That's what Jesus wants me to do. Man, I don't know what Jesus you're worshiping. Some of you guys don't know Christ. You're worshiping a false Jesus who just agrees with whatever you say. But that's not my Jesus. You see, because when, when you're about to talk to some girl, right, that you know ain't following Jesus, and then you're like, and you have horrible intentions to do what God knows what with her. My Jesus is saying, don't do that. You're my child. Act like my child. When you're dating some guy who only wants to have sex with you, but he calls you beautiful, so you're like, hey, I'll, I'll get with it. I'm down with it. And Jesus is, is telling you, you're worth more than rubies. You're worth more than jewels. You are valuable. That's my Jesus. He's not the one that's saying, it's okay, he loves you. Or she loves you. No, that's not my Jesus. Jesus isn't the one that's saying, yeah, gossip, man. That person looks ugly today. Or, man, dude, you've been to Elevate like four weeks, man. You got enough right to tell people that they don't belong here. That they got issues. You know, you're religious enough. You got, you're religious enough. To start judging people in your school and just mocking them. You're religious enough. You're good enough. You go to elevate enough. You don't do enough bad. No, my Jesus is saying, be gentle and humble at heart. I've come to seek and save the sinner, not the righteous. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. And this is the same Lord that Paul decided to go through all that about. All that about. So I ask you again, right? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Remember, I, I told you guys to remember who he was called to preach to, right? Who was it? Starts with a G. The Gentiles. Then the their kings, right? Then who else? The Jews. So, but who is he facing persecution from? He was facing persecution from the same people he was called to love. And yet, dude, we, we're, we're called to love everyone in our schools, in our households. We can't even love our mom and our dad. 
We get annoyed by them. Every word they say irritates us. We can't even love our brothers and our sisters, the ones who we, we basically came from the same mom. Like, that's, that's your brother and that's your sister, blood and everything. You can't even love them. We can't even love the people in our school. And they barely done anything. They're just annoying to you. They just irritate you. They just get on your last nerve. This dude was getting, dude, he almost died in the hands of the same people he was called to preach to. The same hand he probably shaked three weeks, the same, the same hand he probably shaked is the same hand that threw a stone at him three weeks later. But yet, man, we're the ones throwing stones and we're supposed to be Christians. That's messed up. That's messed up. And Paul loved these people. You have to understand that. It said, it, 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 he says that he loved them almost like a child is loved by their mother. I know that's kind of weird to some dudes. Like, hey, hey, Paul, dude, like, why are you doing that? That's how much he loved them. Yeah, we can't even love them. We, we, like, we, we think, oh, dude, I can love my friend who loves me, and that's good enough. I'm acting like Jesus. No, you're acting like everybody else. Everybody, it's easy to love someone that loves you. Try loving someone you don't know that hates you, that is the complete opposite of you. Then come talk to me that you live like Christ. Then come try to justify yourself before Jesus, which is you still fail, but still, you have no leg to stand on. Are you willing to suffer? And I believe you guys can. I believe through the power of Christ you guys can do this because as we can see, I don't think you guys are as prideful as Paul used to be. I don't think you guys are coming from the richest neighborhoods, you know. You guys got Bentleys. As soon as you turn 15, your parents got a Tesla for you. As soon as you turn 16, right, you're able to live with your boyfriend. He got his own crib. You know, like you guys are coming from this. You guys aren't the, the best of the best. And I'm not trying to be bogus. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not the best of the best. But this is the crazy thing. If we can go to the next verse, Ephesians 3. Uh, 3. This is the crazy thing. Paul claims to be the best of the best. He claims before he was saved, as he was saying about here, he boasted a little bit here. He does the same thing in Ephesians 3. He says, you know, people can boast or whatever. And he says, you know, let me, let me tell you guys about me, right? He gives his testimony. This man was circumcised on the eighth day. If you don't know about circumcision, come to me after service. I will explain to you. It will be very weird, but I will explain to you. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, right? So this dude is like, he's, he's the guy. A Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, zeal means passion. This dude was lit. He was hyped to kill Christians, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. This dude did not make a mistake. So, can real quick, before you go forward, can you go to that, the PowerPoint I have? I really want to make this as clear and as simple Right? Because some of you guys are saying, I don't need to suffer from, for Christ. I don't need to. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, you guys can see that, right? right? So this is what Paul had, right? This man had all the culture. He had all the culture, right? How many Puerto Ricans we have in here? Boricua, come on. Bam, you guys are, Puerto Ricans are so prideful sometimes, man. I don't know if you've ever been to the Puerto Rican parade, but man, dude, oh my gosh. They wear that flag everywhere. They got a tattooed on their head, yo. They are so prideful for their culture. But I'm not just picking on Puerto Ricans. I'm a Puerto Rican too, so I know it doesn't look like it, but I am. But Mexicans got pride. Blacks got pride. Everybody got pride. 
for their culture, right? But some of you guys ain't the most, like some of you guys ain't the most boricua boricua you can get, right? Some of you guys aren't playing dominoes till 3 o'clock in the morning every day. Some of you guys aren't eating pasteles for, for dinner every day, making it with your abuelita. Some of you guys, right, some of you guys aren't as black as black can be, right? And I don't mean that, like literally you guys don't listen to rap music 24-7. Some of you guys are dope and listening to, to like pianos and like, like Britney Spears on the low and everything, but you don't tell nobody. Some of you guys ain't Mexican as, as, as Mexican can be, right? Like, you guys don't have, like, all of a sudden that cowboy hat and, a, and a, the, the belt and everything and the boots. But listen, Paul's saying, dude, I'm as, I'm as Jew as Jew can be. I'm as Jew as Jew can be. You, you talk about a Jewish person, I am as Jewish as anybody. I loved my culture. Matter of fact, he loves his people so much, it says in Romans 9, that he was willing to go to hell for them. That he, if he could, he would go to hell for them. The same people that are persecuting him. That's what he said. That's the love of Christ right there. But that he, was, he had as much culture, right? So then later on you see he's a Pharisee, right? He has zeal in persecuting the church. This man had, he had popularity. He had influence. He had influence. Some of you guys are super popular in your schools, man. Like I won't even deny, I don't know. I'm not with you. But the way you guys talk about yourselves, I might think y'all just the bomb, right? That people, man, they come up to you and they're like, dang, dude, like, I just want to be like you, man. I just want to be like you, Josh. You're just so cool, bro. I just want to be like you, Victor, man. You just, everything you do, your laugh, everything, man. I wish I could be like you. I wish I could be like you, Jay. You get all the females, bro. I wish I could be like you, Jay. That's how I leave Jay alone. He's an awesome dude. I wish I could be like you guys, man. And Paul's saying, listen, I was that dude. I had popularity. People wanted to be like me. They saw me killing Christians. They saw me doing all my, all my, my, my Jewish religious traditions and everything. And they were like, man, dude, I want to be like this guy. He had that. And he was righteous by the law. This man, he wasn't, he wasn't out here lying. He wasn't out here committing adultery. He was out here sacrificing. He was circumcised. He was, he was doing everything the law commanded him to do, right? The Ten Commandments. You guys think, hey, I'm good. I'll go to heaven following the Ten Commandments. Try 613 commandments, and then we'll talk. That's how many he was, he was faultless at, he claimed. So this dude, would, bro, if he was around the Jews, they'd probably be like, hey, Saul, my G was good. That's probably how they would greet him. That's probably how they would greet him. He gave up all that, the popularity and he probably had wealth with that popularity. It said that he was a wealthy man. He had money. He had money. This man was rich. Popularity, religious, culture, gave it all up. And instead for Christ, he worked hard. He was in prison. He was in flogged, given lashes, almost died many times, shipwrecked, danger at sea, running away, stoned, persecuted by Jews and Gentiles, people he was to preach to, fake believers, people claiming to be Christians, gossiped about him. Said, dude, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's stupid. He can barely speak. Dude, this guy is a joke. He's not no apostle. He's not no Christian. He had people saying that, dude. Some of you guys might have that in your own cliques. I know you guys got cliques. Some of you guys, I know some of you guys break off cliques every so often because someone says stuff like this. So he was facing that. He went hungry. He went from rich and having influence to going hungry without sleep. He was cold and naked, pressure, and this is, this, is a, this is one that should relate to you guys the most. 
He was troubled with sin. Some of you guys use your love for sin and just your, your temptation as an excuse. Why were you watching porn? Well, man, it was just so good, dude. I had to. You guys laugh, man, but dude. So, so why were you watching? Why were you talking to that female trying to get at her like that? Why are you gossiping so much? Why is it that you can't keep a friend because you gossip about them every two seconds? Why? And you're like, man, Jesus, I just love sin so much. I'm a human. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. And eh, you're wrong. As a sinner, you're not perfect. Christ literally makes you new. And Paul understood this. Paul understood that, listen, I am troubled with sin, but guess what? I love Christ so much it's worth it. It's worth it not to sin. So he, he, can, he included his lack of sin or his, his, uh, his fight against sin as suffering. Some of you guys can admit that. How hard is it to stop cursing for some of you guys? How hard is it to stop watching porn for some of you guys? How hard is it for you to stop having sex for some of you guys? How hard is it to stop lying for some of you guys? How hard is it to stop being disobedient for some of you guys? And, and it might seem like suffering. Oh, man, my dad told me to take out the trash. Man, I ain't doing it. I ain't suffering, for, I ain't suffering like this. I ain't going down like this. Dude, literally this guy went through the same thing, and he's telling you right now, yes, that's included in his suffering, but through Christ, you can have victory. If we can go to the next, we can go back to Corinthians. Actually, go back to Ephesians, my bad. So, guys, with all that being said, your sin, your fight against sin, losing friends, Man, just submitting yourself to Jesus. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to suffer? This isn't optional anymore. This is actually the mandate for every Christian. If you're saying, no, I'm not willing to suffer, then you might as well leave out this building questioning if you're a Christian or not. That is the truth. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. You continue? Hey, can you continue the slide? Thank you. Whatever gains me were considered loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them what? Say it, guys. I consider them what? Garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. And having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not having a righteousness of my own coming from the law, but that which is through faith, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. If you can go back to the last, no, the last slide. I mean, the slide before that one. Well, there you go. Right here. Paul lost many things. If we, if I showed you that comparison, that contrast, contrast, contrast. He lost his popularity. He lost his religion. He lost his culture. He lost it all. For what? 
Some of you guys can't lose a couple nights playing video games to go to Elevate. Some of you guys can't lose a couple side chicks, a couple dudes that you hit up on the weekend. Some of you guys can't lose that boyfriend that's been causing you to sin. Some of you guys can't you lose your own identity. And that is the thing. Paul, in a summary, lost his identity. Some of you guys are so held on who you are and what you are and what you do. But that is garbage. I'm telling you right now, if Christ saw you in the face and you're so, so happy about your, your job, so happy about what you do, so happy about who you are and your culture and what you do at school instead of serving him, you know what he would say? That's garbage. That's garbage. He wouldn't give you a pat on the back. He doesn't care if you, if you have a basketball game on Saturday. He cares if you're serving Jesus. That is the thing. Are you willing to lose your identity? In this culture, we have so many people that they, we identify for so many things. We identify by where we're at and what neighborhood we stay at. The environment around us, that's who we are. That's what we make it to be. We identify ourselves basically what, what most people of our gender do. I'm a female, so you know I, I, gotta, I gotta be shallow. I, I gotta gossip. I gotta do this. I gotta watch nothing but Kim Kardashian, you know? I'm a guy, and that's a stereotype, of course. I know you guys are much greater than that. You guys are much greater than that. I hope so. Some of you guys, you're like, man, dude, I gotta talk to every female, man. I, got, I gotta be like, I gotta be, a, I gotta be arrogant. I gotta be prideful. I gotta fight people if they disrespect me. I gotta stand up for myself. That's who I am. That's where I come from. We identify with so much culture identifies. Now we're going through this thing. I don't identify as a gender. I'm gay. I'm this. I'm that. But Jesus is saying, are you a disciple? Are you willing to lose your identity to find your identity in me? Jesus is willing to give you a new identity. If you've been through stuff, if you've been through depression and you're saying, I'm a depressed person, that's who I am. If you're angry and you're saying, I'm an angry person, that's all I am. Jesus is saying, lose it, call it garbage. If you're saying, man, do all I do, man, I play video games, that's all I am, I'm a homebody, I don't talk to nobody, I'm a loner, I'm antisocial, lose it, that's garbage. If you're saying, man, I'd rather, instead of serving Jesus, right, I'll just come to Elevate, elevate but whatever, you know, I know God wants me to do this, I, want, I know God wants me to talk to people, but I got popularity, I can't look like that in front of people. Or you know what, I can't preach to people, they're part of my volleyball team, my basketball team, they'll make fun of me. That's garbage. Your basketball team is garbage. I'm not trying to be bogus. If you're not serving Christ, all the stuff you try to put in front, your identity, what you do, where you come from, Jesus is saying, listen, lose it all. And you know garbage? That's actually a lighter version of the actual word. He actually means it's crap. So you guys are holding on to a bunch of crap, saying this is, much, this is worth much more than Jesus. You know? My money, that's worth much more than Jesus. But really, it's just a bunch of crap. You got crap dripping down your hands. I know that's nasty, but that's what you guys are doing. That's what the Bible is saying you are doing when you say, listen, this is worth more than Christ. Where's the value of Christ? You see, Paul, the reason why he was able to suffer, the reason why he was able to lose out on stuff that we think is so awesome, but he understood that it was crap. It was garbage. It was garbage. Even your identity, who you think you are. 
He's saying, if that's not found in me, that's garbage as well. At the end of the day, listen, this is the truth. You guys might not be like, man, dude, I thought, Jesus loves me, this I know. You You thought that was the kind of Jesus that we're dealing with. But Jesus, yes, he loves everyone, but he's not expecting you to just come to church on Friday or Sunday, be religious, and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, dude, man, I'm suffering for Christ. What have you been through? Well, man, dude, uh, you know, I, I got up, man. I stopped playing video games on Friday, and I started coming. Dude, get a hold of yourself, man. How many friends have you lost because you've been a Christian? How many times have you preached the gospel and been mocked, persecuted? I remember one time I just went to say hi to a man. I mentioned the word of Jesus, and he was homeless. So I'm thinking, dude, he's going to be real nice to me. Dude, dude, cussed me out to the point where there's spit on my face. Where's your suffering for Christ? What are you willing to lose? Some of you guys are so comfortable because you're not in Christ. You're in the world. You haven't lost anything. If you can continue now. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Become like him in his death. Everybody say death. And so somehow attaining to the what? From the dead. Listen, you guys. If you can go now to Romans 8.18. And Daryl, could you come up to the keys, please? You guys, listen. This world is so temporary. You could have the best life ever. You could, dude, you could, do, you could achieve every dream you ever had. Make as much money as you can. Do as, like, have as much sin as you can possibly have that your heart and your life can contain. You can deny the identity Christ gave you and and, uh, grab one that the world wants to give you. But you will die. Everyone dies. Everyone faces this thing called death. And Jesus Christ has come to save us from that. And this is the thing, right? Some of you guys are saying, I'm not willing to suffer because, dude, people will stop talking to me. I'll feel lonely. And I understand you. I understand. Listen, I understand the fear of telling your friends about Jesus. I remember I first started going to youth group in eighth grade. And, dude, my friends, they were mad. Everybody knows eighth grade is kind of like the year where you're, like, going into high school. You got to make a name for yourself. You got to do some crazy stuff. All my Brantano kids, y'all know what I'm talking about. But listen. I understood that. I went to youth group. I was a hypocrite. You know, I, I, was, I was planning to have sex with my girlfriend just like some of you guys will in, in the weeks coming. I was, I was planning on, dude, just doing all stupid type of stu- stuff when I came to high school, when I was in high school. I was a hypocrite. All this time I claimed to be Christian because my view was so narrow. Man, if I stop sinning, I won't have pleasure. If I stop, dude, if I stop trying to, to please people, I won't have friends. And we have a narrow view. We're only seeing this much, this much. But God is trying to open up your view to eternity. Life with him forever. Listen, the Bible says this place isn't even called your home anymore. You have a home in heaven. And that is what you're supposed to be living for. And I know we may disagree on a lot of things. You may, right after this, put in your headphones, Lil Pump, and listen to Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang on repeat for 10 days straight. And I'll be like, okay, dude, you know, we might disagree on music. We may disagree on culture. We may disagree on, like, who's the best basketball team. What's this? We may disagree on, like, whether you should dress like that or not. We may disagree on that. But how many of us believe that Jesus died, he was buried, and he resurrected? How many of us, can we agree on that? Can we find that common ground? 
then why aren't you living like it? Why aren't you willing to suffer? Because, dude, listen, you may think, dude, Paul was a fictional character, but he wrote 13 books of the Bible inspired by God showing you what the church was going through, showing you what he was going through. These people were willing to die, not because their parents told them about Jesus and they grew up in church. Paul was a Jew killing people because they said Christ was the Son of God. Now he's being killed because he believes Jesus is the Son of God. How does that make sense if it's not true? How do you give up everything for a lie? This is true. This is truth. Nothing you think is truth, man. Your sexuality, man. Your boyfriend who loves you, that's not true. Your, dude, who you think you are, that's not even true. Half of you don't even know yourself. A couple weeks ago, I asked someone, who are you? The man was stumped. He didn't know who he was. You have no identity in this world. You want to be a Christian? You want to suffer? You want to be able to find out how to attain the resurrection? Lose interest in the world because it's already lost interest in you the minute you said you're a Christian. This world doesn't care about you. Who does is Christ. He's willing to die for you. If you can go to Romans 8.18 now. And this is what I want to encourage you with. Romans 8, yeah, there you go. I consider that our present suffering, the suffering you're going on, if you become a Christian, if you say, I'm willing to do whatever, I'm willing to be a chosen instrument, I'm willing to proclaim your name to anybody, consider our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, because God has something for you that's greater than this boyfriend, that's greater than your sexuality, that's greater than your culture, that's greater than who you think you are. It's his glory. What makes God, God will literally be a part of you now. That will be your identity. And if you guys don't believe it, hey, that's the Bible. The Bible is saying this, we didn't believe in Jesus out of like just random faith that he resurrected. They saw Jesus resurrect. The people that wrote the Bible saw Jesus resurrect. They believed as Jesus resurrected, I will too. And they were willing to die for it. They were willing to go naked for it. They were willing to lose friends and family. And Jesus says this as a promise, whatever you lose on earth will be given 10 times more. I'll have more friends than all of you in heaven if you don't make it there. And I'm hoping that by God's grace, you guys will get this to your mind, that there's a resurrection. This life is crap compared to that. I'll have more friends in heaven. I have more friends now than I ever had. Oh, I consider some of you friends. Maybe after this, I don't know if you guys will be friends with me, but you'll have more land. You'll have more family. You'll have more wealth. Think about the riches of heaven. I know this sounds like some crazy stuff, but this is what Jesus was talking about. You guys need to be, stop being so earthly minded, so nearsighted, and get your eyes on Jesus, on eternity. This is what Jesus was talking about. The resurrection, that yes, we'll die, and our body will be decomposed or whatever, but do Jesus, because he resurrected, we will resurrect too, and we'll have new life. This is the hope that we have. It's not hope that, man, one day we'll get a Tesla, that one day, man, we'll, we'll be better in school. Screw your education is crap too if you don't live for Jesus. Man, you go to Harvard and you still bust hell wide open. God loves you and he wants you to repent. And he showed you, it says in the Bible, God demonstrated his love for sinners. Not for people that grew up in church and were so good, but for sinners. I was a sinner. Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for me as a depressed, angry, lustful, lying, envious teenager. And he demonstrated his love for me. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to suffer. 
Are you willing to suffer? I want to call people up that are losing hope in Jesus. That are super nearsighted right now. They have so much hope in what this world has to offer. Some of you guys are lying, false believers, claiming to be Christians. Come up and repent. Receive Jesus truly. If you're living in sin, the Bible says your deeds make you an enemy to the cross. This is not Jesus just overlooking every sin just because you claim to be Christian. This is us understanding and being gracious that Jesus Christ has resurrected and we have a hope in him. This is Christianity. Not whatever you called it before if you thought that. So please, if you, if, if you want Jesus, if you want to be willing to suffer, if you want strength to be able to lose friends, to be able to gain disciples, come up. Come up. And if you want to repent and you want to receive Jesus, okay, and please stand up. Please stand up. So I'm going to say a prayer, but please, while I'm praying, I want you guys to reflect on your life. The words that I spoke, you may think they're just my opinion, but yes, no, they were not. This is, this is Bible truth. If you believe in the Bible, you won't disagree with what I'm saying. There's no way you can run around the truth. All you can do is close your eyes and hope it doesn't hit you hard enough. So everyone bow your heads. Please reflect. Paul says in Ephesians 4, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, I pray, God, that just the youth here, Lord, that you would pierce their hearts, God. Lord, I pray for those, God, that are in deception, Lord, that they, they say that they know you, but their deeds say otherwise. What they do behind closed doors, what they do outside of church says otherwise. Lord, I pray that you would convict their heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, they would not care about what their friends around them think, Lord. But in this time of reflection, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. You would show them what they do is wrong. And, Lord, that your loving kindness, your mercy on the cross, your love, Jesus, would draw them to repentance, that they would turn to you, turn away from sin, God. Receive the true faith that you have given, God. Lord, I pray that they would have a hope not in this world or what it has to offer, but they would have a hope in your resurrection, that they would be a chosen instrument, Lord, willing to proclaim the gospel to their friends, willing to proclaim the gospel to their family, willing to lose them, willing to lose whatever, because they understand the value that you have, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I have my altar workers please come up? Oh, Lord God, I pray right now, Lord, for just any age, Lord, I pray that you would give them understanding, give them knowledge, Lord, help them understand that you, God, love them, that you love them, but your love does not leave people in their filth and their crap. Your love makes people new. It gives people new lives, that they can live for you, that they can say, I am a Christian. I look like Jesus in this world. I pray that tonight will be a time of sanctification where people are set apart from the world that are no longer like Satan, no longer like they used to be. They no longer deal with depression. They no longer deal with hate. They no longer deal with jealousy. They no longer deal with lust and the sins that have been burdening their hearts, God. I pray that people pleasers will come up. 
I pray that people that put their faith in themselves and their own, their own deeds and who they are, they would come up. Oh, Lord, have your way, God. The altars are open for you guys. Feel free. If you need prayer, if you need to accept Jesus, the altar, calls, uh, the altar workers are here for you.